Making Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. Twelve oh five is the time. I, d- I was waiting for the music to stop. I feel that mystery hour thing through me. It is mystery hour. I thought you might have forgotten, but um, well, you clearly haven't. I've got two phone lines free, but some of the questions that are currently on the board might be rubbish. So there may be more than two phone lines free. The point is, ring um, with your question. I'll explain how mystery hour works in a minute for those of you not familiar with it. Uh, in fact, I'll explain now. What happens is you've got a brain sort of bug. You've got something in, in the back of your mind that you really need an answer to. It might have been preying on your mind for years, or it might just have occurred to you in the last 20 minutes. I have forgotten I had two, and I've forgotten them both already. Always, every week, happens without fail. So if you have managed to remember yours, 03456060973 is the number you need. A who, a why, a what, a where, a when, a whither, a weather, or possibly an occasional whence. Um, we think we might be getting hold of the uh, paraglider of Bex Hill as well. I don't want to get your hopes up. I don't want to get too excited about that. But we've got a good lead. Top lead, top journalism, top scoops. And um, if you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, then you ring in with it. If your answer displays a knowledge or an expertise of unbelievable proportion, you receive a Rayliota. I've given one out today. Some people claimed I gave it out a little bit willy-nilly. On reflection, you might have been right. But Thomas not only was perfectly qualified to contribute to the conversation about teaching because he was literally walking to his induction to become a teacher as as we spoke he also cheered me up so you know there's no point being in charge of a gig like this if you can't exercise a little bit of arbitrary unfairness occasionally and indulge your own personal enthusiasms but generally speaking if you answer a question and i say what are your qualifications which i will always do and you say well i invented it james then you'll get a Ray, Ray Liotta. Do you see what I mean? If, if your qualifications for knowing the thing that you know that you've rang in to share are unbelievably on the money, I think the word is apposite, unbelievably apposite, then you'll get one. Other circumstances in which you'll get one, though, as we've just established, could just be me arbitrarily deciding that I really like you, and then I'll get half a dozen tweets complaining of right old misery guts that I'm giving them out too easily. Seven minutes after 12 is the time. I think that constitutes the end of the introduction, doesn't it? Is that, should we just crack on? Is there anything else? No repetition, but that's kind of my job. Um, your your uh, calls will be answered today by Beth and Ava, who are uh, the most experienced mystery hour staff that we currently have in the building but they haven't been doing it as long as i have so it's, it's really my job to look out for stuff don't be obvious why don't you see any baby pigeons or what happened to all the white dog poop if it's something that's been asked a billion times chances are we've done it at some point over the course of the last decade decade we've been doing it for a decade i bet we have you know uh, and don't be boring that's a little bit harder to police oh i've remembered what my question was this is a very good example of a question that will not be allowed on mystery hour okay so i was was in um newcastle at the weekend drove up to hadrian's wall i really recommend it also went youth hosteling but um, i I appreciate that my alan partridge um tribute act is becoming a little tired and the car i hired was a mitsubishi outlander and i couldn't find the petrol cap release button for, for love nor money and we were late we had to get to the airport to drop off the car and then get a taxi back into town with all our luggage to meet my mother-in-law and the children then to get on the train which as you know was so full that if we hadn't caught it in time and we had to catch one where we didn't have reserve seats the five of us would have been sitting on the floor in the corridor this is astonishing it's like a tesseract the way this 
programme has just folded in on itself with every corner and every facet connecting to the next one, concluding in the fact that I was getting a bit panicky in the petrol station because you have to take the car back with a full tank. I could not, for the love of God, find the release button. So I googled it. It's something magnificent, which takes us back to the technological advances that we were discussing in the last hour in the context of much more grisly conversations and and i found it and it's on the floor it's it's like a thing on the floor on the by the drive that so why is the mitsubishi outlanders petrol cap release button on the floor is exactly the sort of question that won't get on mystery hour because it's so boring are you still with me at the back it's nine minutes after 12 danny's in wimbledon danny question or answer it's a question james carry on danny um, I'm just wondering why, uh, considering the new plastic banknotes have been in circulation for around a year or so, why is the Queen still depicted as considerably younger than she is now? I don't think she. Oh, oh, oh I see. You mean why is it the the why original picture? Oh, I thought. Yeah, I, I thought. Of the Queen? I just got out a twenty and a five, and I thought that I was going to have some fun with you because <laughs> it's because the twenties wrinkled that she looks older. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the paper ones get wrinkly and the plastic ones don't. Well, I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand why not, but, but why? Is, is there an actual reason why she has to be? Yeah. Has the, the, the fir- well, pos- perhaps the first picture that's used is used forever. But you want to know that for sure? Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. I, well, I, I wonder why. It's, suppose it's like if an actor sends a headshot and it, they send one right. that, from the... From the 20 years ago, you know what I mean? You should see some newspaper byline pictures, mate. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> utterly unrecognisable from, from, the, from the people who are alive today. So pictures 20, 30 years old, half a stone, 30 stone lighter. So, it's the same. so why, yeah, why is the Queen's yeah. face on the banknote the same as it was? Is it always, actually? I think it, uh, it seems to be the same image that's been going around since the uh, 90s, uh, I'd uh, I'm thinking that it might be. I'm thinking that it might be. And that, of course... Um, would be part of the answer, but then we'd need to know why. I love that question. Nice one, Danny. I'm take care. I'm really happy you didn't take me down, mate. Thank no, I, I, well, I would have done if you'd been saying, why does she look so old on the £20 note and so young on the... And I say it's because the plastic doesn't wrinkle, but then we've saved, I've saved myself the embarrassment there of, of misconstruing what your question was actually about. And it's a good question, because I'm looking at the brand-new fiver and I'm looking at the old 20, and it is exactly the same portrait. Why? Why doesn't the Queen's face... It's like... It's, it's, Dorian Gray joke here that I've not quite managed to spot in time. Danny, take care. One phone line free, of course, as Danny vacates his. It could be yours. 03456060973. is the time. Ella is in Kentish Town. Ella, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, Ella. It's um, it's about bra sizes. Oh, yeah. What do you want to know? Uh, <laughs> why, why don't bra sizes just go A, B, C, D, E, F, G? They are a, double A, A, B, C, D, double D, E, I think double E. Uh, you, you see what I mean? It doesn't... Can you not get a double B? No. Did not know that. This is the thing. And is, is so A, B, double, A, B, A... Double A. Double A, a if you're really, really uh, petite. So double A is smaller than A? Yes. So it's double A, A. Yeah. B. B. C. D. Double a, D. Double D. As we all know, that's the, you know, what? optimum. Is it? No, it isn't. <laughs> According to the sun. Well, say, say then, no more. According to the sun, I'm a champagne socialist, Ramona, sanctimonious, unbearable. So they, I can't believe no, a word we, they we say. We love your work in my household. <laughs> we love it. Keep it up. Um, Double D E. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I think it just goes FG. I think there might be a job double G, but I'm not really well. All right, no, you're right. Why didn't it just go A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P? Exactly. Or, or, you know, one, two, three. Yeah, all right. Someone someone listening will know this. I think we might have knocked at the door of this before, but um, but maybe not gone through it. I'll try and get you an answer. Thanks, James. Thank you, Ella. 03456060973. Talk to me about bra sizes and the portrait of the Queen. Harry is in South End on Sea. Harry, question or answer? Hi, James. The question. Carry on, Harry. Uh, so you know you can't take your drinks or sort of any liquids through airport security? Above a certain amount. Above a certain yeah, amount. Yeah, above, above 100 mil, I think it is. Yeah. Although I think they're getting a bit more relaxed about that, actually. Yeah. But anyway, carry on. I don't on. know if you, if you can freeze your drinks to make it a solid and then take it through. Oh, obviously not. Why not? Oh, yeah. well, because... Solid, not liquid anymore. Yeah, but it would be a liquid as soon as it melted, and they know this. Also, where are you going to freeze it so that it's still solid when you get to the airport checks? Well, I, I only live about five minutes away from Southend Airport, so yeah, I reckon I could do it. Do you? Well, all right, then. What time yeah. is it now? 12.13. You get out. See how you get on. <laughs> give, give me a ring tomorrow. Give, give me a, It might be the only phone call you're allowed to make. You realise that, don't you? Right. <laughs> why, why do you want to know? Are you just being mischievous? Well, I was just wondering, because when I sort of went through the airport the other day, I sort of... Uh, you could freeze that. I, all right, well, I'm going to say no, but then I will put the question on the board, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it was allowed through on, uh, yeah. on, the, on the responsibility. I think you are as well, aren't you, Harry? No, no, not at all. Really? Okay, well, just me. A little surprised that was allowed through on the quality threshold, but um, it may well be that it yields a surprising answer. I'll be very, very surprised if it does. If you take your f- hand cream or whatever it is, water, frozen, um, will you be allowed onto a plane that you wouldn't have been allowed onto if it was unfrozen? Almost certainly not, but, hey, mystery hour, all human life is here. It's coming up to quarter past 12. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. We need to know about why the Queen's portrait is so old on new banknotes. Why, why don't we have a picture of her that's a little bit more up-to-date? Is there a reason for that, or is it just convention? Is it the same picture that's been used since she ascended to the throne? How do brass sizes work, and are you allowed to take frozen liquids, i.e. solids, through airport checks where you're not allowed to take liquids, i.e. unfrozen solids. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. We are, well, quarter of the way through mystery. Our question's currently in need of answers. Why does the Queen's portrait on banknotes appear to be more or less unchanged for decades? Um, someone's pointed out that the coins, the silhouette on the coins has has changed over the years. I think you're right, actually. But anyway, we shall find out. How do bra sizes work? They seem, it seems completely arbitrary. Does anyone know the origins? And um, just, just to sort of keep, keep, the, keep the lad happy, um, if you freeze your liquids, will you be allowed to take them past the airport checks where you're not allowed to take? Of course you won't. Tim's in Leek in Staffordshire. Tim, question or answer? Question, please, James. Carry on, Tim. It's about light and heat. So... Gosh. You've got the longest day on the 21st of June, but typically the warmest months are July and August. And conversely, you've got the shortest day on December 21, but typically the coldest months are January and February. So I don't understand the connection between the sun and the heat. You'd expect it to be warmest around the time of the longest day and coldest around the time of the shortest day. Why would you? Uh, well, I guess because all natural heat, I think, comes from the sun. So when you're outside, the, all, most nearly all the heat you're getting is from the sun. Yeah, so but when you go... Have you got a light bulb near where you are? Yeah. Have you? Yes. Go and put your hand near it. 
Well, low energy ones, I'm afraid. Well, still, it's going. It's going. It's yeah. not. It's not going to burn. Go and put your hand there. Can you feel the warmth yet? Yeah. Right now, walk to the other side of the room. Right. Is it dark? No. There you go. Right. I, I've either just done something very clever or something very stupid. I'm about fifty-fifty at the moment. What about you? <laughs> 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 well, because well, well, the point I'm making is that the the conduction of light and the conduction of heat are not simultaneous; they're not the same. You, so you can you can have a, it's, it's how near you are to the sun that's going to determine how hot you are, and it's how big the orbit is of the Earth around the sun that's going to determine how light, how much light there is. I think so I have done something very clever. So what you're saying is that that although the longest day is on June 21, the, the the Earth is closer to the Sun in July and August. Uh, well, no, our bit of it is. Our bit of it is. Yeah. A, a, a British Sun, as we would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think that's a brilliant. Isn't that a brilliant? This is where Professor Hell rings in and tries to embarrass me with my yeah, childish enthusiasm. But I think I think that I can't think of a better explanation than that. Can you? No, I think that's a brilliant answer. I'm not sure it's right. But no, I'm not either, but, you know, this is, this, is, this, is fake. this is the era of fake news, mate. It'll be on the front page by tomorrow. I, all right, I, that's my guess, but I'm not going to take the round of applause because when you say what your qualifications are, I say I ain't got any. I was cycling proficiency at Starport Police Station in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> I love the question, but I think, I think that's going to be... I, I love that little moment there where I went... Is it dark? <laughs> and now, and now, the more I big myself up, the more embarrassed I'm going to be when the truth when the truth emerges. Tim, thank you. That's a lovely question. Um, uh, did I get the answer right? Why, why is the longest day? Why doesn't the longest day of the year happen in the warmest season? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three twenty one after twelve is the time. Ed is in Canary Wharf. Ed, question or answer? Hi, the James. Question. Carry on. What is the biggest number you can realistically make using Roman numerals? It may be dumb, I'm not sure. I think it is dumb, because it's infinite. You just keep putting X's or yeah, C's down, or M's. So, I think M is the biggest letter. That yeah, so an infinite number of M's. Really? Yeah, and then add another M, and then another one, and another one. I don't think it, what, the mode of new... So if you're doing a, if you're doing a million, that yeah. would be a thousand M's in a row. Would it? That's not a good way of counting. That's not a realistic way of counting. No, oh, no, well, no now we're going to have a quibble about what we mean by realistic. And I don't think a million That's would true. be a thousand M's in a, in a row. There might be a letter above M, like 5,000. I don't, I don't, I know. I, I, the, the, the answer, I mean, I like the question, but it's not, it's not going to butter any parsnips, is it? Because, because the answer is infinity, and then we're just going to quibble over what we mean by realistic. Well, that's fair enough. Unless there, I mean, yeah, unless you've got something in the idea that Romans never really used numbers above a certain amount because it was linked to coinage and, and, and military issues. So it, it's, it's a, by realistic, you mean the opposite of ridiculous, don't you, in a way? Yeah, basically. All right, I, I, I'll leave it on the board. Thank you. Are you you're, what are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah. Standing on the balcony. Oh, I thought I could hear water in the background. I thought, I thought you uh, were... No. Well, Not back, Mr. Oh, oh, very nice. Oh, lovely. Carry on. 23 after 12. Yeah, Roman numerals, did they... How high did they go? But not in, a, not in a way that the answer would be infinity, but in a way that the answer would be general usage or something. That's what he means. That's a better question than I realise. I apologise, Ed, for my um, curtness. I'm still pretty sure the frozen question at the airport is rubbish, though. John's in Kensington. John, question or answer? Well, it's an answer, really, about the uh, Queen on the banknotes, and as far as you could really have an answer to it. Yes. 
Uh, people have rather co- short cultural memories, if mm-hmm. you like. Yeah, you um, and in fact, the monarch's head has only ever appeared since 1960, in any case. Is that right? What was on it before? Yeah. Nothing. You've got to remember that in the past, if you had old ten-shilling notes, those horrible brown things, mm. if you can cast your mind back... I'm only 46. Um, I can't remember. I know. I, I, yeah. And, and um, Bank of England five-pound notes were white and didn't have the monarch's head on. Oh, OK. Just the promise to pay the bearer the sum of malarkey. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And really, it's a very. I think it's a relatively recent thing, and I would imagine they've stuck pretty much with the Queen's image as she was in around 1960. When it started, and why, why bother changing? Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, you just you imagine, and you, this isn't really knowledge. This is speculation. Well, yeah. I mean, it's there. There is really no other answer. Otherwise, I suppose there, there's an innate wish. No, but there is another. We could establish for monarch, we could know, establish for certain whether or not it was the same picture that that came into circulation in the sixties, couldn't we? That wouldn't be too hard to do. No, I mean, obviously they they sort of jet gra- sort of tamper with the design, the graphics, you know, continually, partly to uh, to to. Uh, a, a, you know, offset the risk forgery, but the template, the, the template. Know. What are your qualifications? Um, I did write a book on royal finance and was an active Republican campaigner for years. So I delved into the whole aspect of, of kind of the of royalty and culture and all this kind. What of What was the thing. book called? Uh, Living off the state. Oh, I like it. A critical guide to royal finance. It's getting a bit a bit old now, but, oh, but uh, still the central, the philosophy behind yeah. it stands. I, I mean, I, I've given you a free plug for your book. But I don't know if I can give you a round of applause because we haven't established definitively whether or not it is actually the same picture. No, well, I mean, all, all, all banknotes are constantly modified, so therefore, by definition, the image is. I, 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 yeah, I, I am. I'm going to give you half a round of applause. Okay. Right. Okay. No, that was tiny. Give him a bit more than that, Ivan. <laughs> There we go. Well done. There we go. Carry on, John. Well played. Because, I mean, it probably is the same one, actually. And then the answer would just be, because it is. So the original questioner is going to be quite unsatisfied. Well, why is it? Well, just, it just is. The classic recourse of parents everywhere, because I say so. Lizzie's in Islington. Lizzie, questioner answer. It's an answer, James. Carry on, Lizzie. Uh, regarding the solids and the liquids going through an airport. Oh, yes. So, you were correct in... The sense, or the whole sense yep. of you are not allowed to bring a solid through. We're not really. We do understand that it is going to be a liquid at yeah, some point. Flipping it. What However, a question. Oh, hang on. What? Saying that, um, if you have a medical issue and you have to bring through something like uh, insulin, for example, that needs to be kept cool, um, you are allowed to bring it through with ice as long as you have a letter from a doctor yeah. and we have to test the ice block. Um, in one of our machines. Test it just to make sure it's water? Well, we have to test that it is water, yeah, solid mm. water that is inside it rather than any other... Um, because it could liquid. be diamonds, like in Moonraker. It could be. Unfortunately, we haven't found that yet. Uh, well, I haven't. Personally. But you check, because that's what I'd be looking out for, diamond smugglers. <laughs> <laughs> qualifications? I, I, I'll let you know. I think we know what your qualifications are. <laughs> yes, I'm an airline to, uh, airport security officer. Great work, great work, Lizzie. Love it. And uh, was it Ben in in Southend? I'll see you, silly sausage. Honestly, next time you ring in, I want a better question than that. Professor Hal is here. I wonder why. Here we go. Hello, James. Hello, Hal. It's a bit like Joe, really. The very thing you feared has happened. Um, what? I, 
I'm going to take issue with your answer. Oh, right, yeah. um, the temperature of the Earth is nothing really to do with our distance, which seems to oscillate around 93 million miles from the sun. Oh, yeah. And to answer the question, I'll ask you to think about the North Pole, where on some days, or sorry, during the North Pole summer, it never gets dark. Their longest day is 24 hours, and yet it remains cold. The temperature of a particular place is dictated by the angle to the sun. Yeah. So the further north or south you go, the sun's rays hit you at a shallower angle, and therefore you don't get the full heat. What makes um, a country hot or cold is the fact they're directly at 90 The angle degrees. and distance is the same. So you're going to get... You'd be hotter when it's 90 degrees and colder when it's... Oh, James, please don't do this to yourself. Oh, I know. Oh, you're not... the only one that's allowed to patronise me, Hal. I hope you realise what a privilege that is. Carry on. I'm trying to help you out. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. out, mate. I'm trying to help so, you out. So, on the equator, the, the, the sun's rays are completely incident to um, the Earth, which is why it's hottest at the equator, because the sun's rays are the most direct. And at the North Pole and the South Pole, they're most indirect. The longest day happens to be when the Earth is tilted towards the sun, so more of it happens to be in sunlight, but it's a different effect from hot or cold, which is how, for how long are you at the optimum uh, angle to the sun's rays hitting the Earth? Qualifications? Cub Scout badge in science. No, that's not where you learnt it. OK. I'm delighted and lucky to be the Professor of Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. <sighs> right. Well done, mate. It's, uh, well, look at that. He's brought it in on time as well. It's just coming out to half past 12 on LBC with me, James O'Brien. Mystery I continue, so we can cross that one off and we can cross that one off, which leaves us with bra sizes, half the Queen's portrait. We just want to go fully definitive on, on why she doesn't appear to have changed. There's someone sent me a picture of a Canadian note, a $20 note there. It's got both. It's got a very modern picture where she looked quite um, old and a, a sort of inset of the picture that I think is the one that we use on our banknotes as well. Um, so brass sizes in the Queen's portrait. All human life is here. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Mystery Hour continues. I've got time for more questions, actually. 03456060973 is the number you need. Questions that still need answers. Uh, Roman numerals, how, how high did they go? I know that you're going to say, well, it's infinite, but I think we've dropped the ball a bit on that because that bar above the M, I think, means squared, doesn't it? So M squared is a thousand. A thousand times a thousand is a million. So M with a bar over it is a million, which means, you know, if you can put in a million, you need fewer symbols to do a million in Roman numerals than you do in Arabic numerals that we use. So the question was asking how realistic it was. But actually, it's a more efficient way of conveying enormous numbers than the system we've I think, but this isn't my field of expertise by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, my field of expertise is mischief, <laughs> which is what we were doing earlier in the programme with the story of the evil paraglider flying low over Sussex seafront and shouting abuse at people. And, I mean, it gives you an indication of how seriously we've taken this story that we are now going to take a brief interlude from Mystery Hour Popper to speak to Paul, who is in Becks Hill. Paul, are you the paraglider pilot? I am indeed. But the accusations are lies. <laughs> well, yeah, that, well, that is why I am here to, to let to let the, the you know to let the ordinary person speak out against fake news. Well, fake news like uh, councillors that work for the council, uh, police officers, uh, ex coast guard, ex, ex um, beach rescue guys, harassment. Uh, yeah, this goes on and on. Well, I, I mean, dog walkers. You get the dog walkers that. Well, one dog walker. It's only one dog walker. The lady, and she come up to complain and said to me, 
what my paraglide is lying on the floor with her dog with an extended lead. She shouldn't be doing that here. It looks very dangerous. While her dog is weighing up my wings, she's worth four thousand pounds. I thought that was the dog was weighing on your wings. While she's standing there saying you shouldn't be doing that, it looks very dangerous. What um, uh, what? When did you start paragliding? Oh, 25 odd year ago. And the idea that your identity is a mystery is a bit absurd because your brother rang it's earlier ridiculous. and t- t- you film it all on GoPro. Exactly. Every incident. You know, you Mark rang in. Do you know, Mark? complaint that you've yeah, had. Yeah, on. it has been recorded. So everything you've done is on tape. It's just so the journalists have gone yeah, for the story. Yeah. Do you intimidate people? Answer the question. I don't. don't uh, do you intimidate people by flying low over the seafront? No, I'm scared to fly. To fly. <laughs> Here's another another witness. He is evil. Anything to say about that? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not evil at all. His language is foul and obscene. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you swear from the sky? No, I do not. Well, you would say that, wouldn't you? Well, of course I would, because I don't... I'm flying. I don't want to be knowing what's on the ground. I'm going there to fly. Here's another eyewitness. He he flies really low. He's a social nuisance. Now, I'm going to come in at this point and make an observation. I fly low because I'm a paraglider pilot flying a hill, which is exempt from the 500-foot rule. Hill soaring is hill soaring. I also would point out at this point that if you never flew low, you'd never land. Exactly. You've got to go only as high as the wind is going to be blowing you up off the cliff if you're hill soaring. Hang on, let me just see if we've got anything else. Uh, I mean, yeah, so you feel that you're being harassed by the forces of law and order. I think there has been a lot of... I've I've got actual... Well, yeah. Don't make any any accusations beyond that. I don't make accusations, but I've got a DVD. You, right. Well, yeah, I'm picking a side. I'm, I'm picking a side. I'm bringing the full weight of the mainstream media behind you. Unless someone can provide me filmed evidence of you being foul and obscene from the sky, I am sticking up for the Bexhill one. Thank you very much. All right. Liberate the Bexhill one. Let him fly. Fly free. Fly free, Paul. I'm a free-flying spirit, and I live to fly and fly to live. And this is, this is it, what I do. It's I just fly. a man trying to crush you, man. People that enjoy it. It's trying to crush you, trying to keep you doing it. tied to the earth when you want to be up in the clouds. Yeah, I want to be free, man. I want to be free to have a good time. Let's get yeah, exactly. loaded. I don't want to know nothing from no one else on the ground. I just want to be doing my own thing. Right. If they've got problems with it, then just keep it to myself. I don't want to know. I'm with you, man. It's not to do with what I want to do. I just want to be free to do what I want to do. Galley Hill was given to the people 30 years ago for the council to manage and look after for the recreation of people, what they would like to be doing there. And I'd like to be doing paragliding. This is one of the proudest moments of my career, Paul. All around the world and flown all around the world with yep. some of the best pilots in the world hey. and best paragliding firms in the world out there. So we should and be proud of you. You're, you're a flipping, you're a treasure. You're a, you're, and groups you're a local treasure. Bexhill should be proud of you. You're promoting the delights of Galley Hill to the whole world. Oh, indeed. All right, mate. What? Fantastic sport. And what a free, free sport it is as well. Totally Frying the life out of me, mate. I'd have done it as a youngster, but these days I'm too... Right, you're I'm totally welcome to a free tandem flight from me, if you wish, so wish. Paramotor or tandem free flying. Oh, I'll give you free flights any time you like. Paul, you're a gent. The producer would be very keen for me to take that up. Myself, at this point in proceedings, less so. Mind how you go. You get any more hassle from the MSM, you call me, Paul, all right? We've got your back. We, we, we're, we're, we're on the side of the Bexhill one. Free the flyer. Let him fly free. That is great journalism. Seriously, 10 o'clock this morning I told you about that story. Half past 12, we've spoken to him. Fred's in Normandy. Fred, follow that. Hello. Hello. Uh, James, um, Fred. I, I, 
Something's been puzzling me for years. Go on. Why is it that sheep, goats, uh, I think they come under the name of uh, ovine. Ovine? Uh, ovine, yeah. yeah. Uh, they only have teeth on the bottom jaw. Really? Yeah, they don't have teeth at the top. Just a hard pad. I, I mean, I, I, all the animals that I've ever seen, or mammals that I've ever seen have got, that have got teeth, have got them top and bottom. Um, well, I mean, evolution would suggest that they don't have any top teeth because they don't need them. Well... And, and also, look, hang on a minute, I think I know this. Do you? Yeah, I reckon I can work it out. Do you ever eat... Well, you're in France, do you ever have a boeuf bourguignon? Yeah. What is the only downside of a good boeuf bourguignon? Uh, they use wine in it instead of drinking it. <laughs> the wine instead of drinking it. That's a ridiculous answer. Well, what, in, ter- in terms of the aftermath of a good boeuf bourguignon and right. the, te- the texture of the meat stewed beef in a beef, but what happens in your mouth after you finish your boeuf bourguignon uh, that can be occasionally annoying? Oh, stuck between your teeth. <laughs> I don't believe it. Though. It gets stuck between your teeth. Now, imagine if... I'm still talking. Imagine if you only ate grass. Okay, what about, look at some of the things that goats eat, right? Surely you need teeth to... Well, you clearly don't, do you? Because you've just established that they haven't got any, so you can't go from saying you need them 30 seconds after saying they haven't got them, because if they needed them, they would have them. They don't have them, or go, they don't need them. Oh, here we go. If you lived... on a rant. If you lived on grass, (laughs) if you lived on grass, you'd be glad... Not to have top teeth, because it's, it's, it means you've only got half your gob where you might get the grass stuck. Oh, bloody hell. And it's a tearing yeah, process. Yeah. It's like this, yeah, they next... tear the grass out of the ground like that, you see? Yeah, next thing you're going to tell me it's after price when they go to the dentist. <laughs> it does save money on veterinary bills, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I shall put it on the list, Fred, you silly old sausage. What is the reason why sheeps, sheeps, sheep don't have any teeth. They have them when they're babies. Well, lambs, I think, but they don't have them as they get older because it's the difference between the milk diet and the grass diet. Why? Why don't they have teeth on the top layer? Um, and we've got some other questions still in need of answers as well, but I got a bit carried away when Paul, the paraglider pilot, rang in and I've lost my list. Gavin's in Stansted. Gavin, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Gavin. It's the bra size. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, what you've got to think about is it's, the, it's kind of the same way that um, dress sizes go in... Um, accumulative numbers, yeah, so you've got like 12, 14, 16, stuff yeah. like that. And it's just to um, flatter the female form. And people can pretty much um, fit any part of those numbers near enough. So when no, but, the to, but what um, we wanted to know is why have you got double D and not double C? Um, because, yeah, it's, more of a, it's, it's a more precise measurement of the, the human form. Yeah, but it could have been E. It could have just gone A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Why does it go A, 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 B, C, D, D, D? And if you've got, um, let's say, for example, you want um, long trousers or short trousers, and depending on your leg size, it's going to matter, isn't it? Yeah, but it, you never go 32, 33, 34, 34, 35. Yeah, that's the thing. Women's bodies are different. Well, fundamentally to, to men's bodies. So you, your measurements have got to be a little bit more precise. No, but double A is not more precise. I mean, one, two, three, it four, is, five... Is, mate, I promise you, is, it makes a lot of... Mate, I promise you, it isn't. This is just counting. One, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, D, E. One of those is not more precise than the other. Right, say, 
say for example, oh. um, I've got a, a finger extended in front of me. Yeah, I know how you and feel. I'm looking at it, yeah. and it's a certain length. Yes. But somebody else will come and say, well, I've got a finger as well, but it's a little bit longer or shorter. Yes. That's kind of, that's fundamentally how it works, because my wife is a... Um, no, but you're just describing sizes. You're not describing why they have double A and don't have double B. Mate, because you're talking about volume as well, not not just proportions. You're talk- it's, a com- it's a complete... Us blokes will never understand the female body. Yeah, well, speak for yourself. What are your qualifications? My wife is a lingerie designer. Does she take her work home with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy See days. You, later, you mind how you go? I'm not giving you that, though, because that doesn't, that doesn't have the, the original question from Ella was about why have you got double D but not got double E, or, or, or whatever it may be. Someone's been in touch with me, his wife's double G. Um, I don't know why. I probably just boasting. Uh, it's coming up to 12.45. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where we will continue to wrestle with these questions until 1 o'clock when Sheila Fogarty takes over. Um, 03456060973 is the number that you need. Yes, uh, it was total tosh. It's been, it's been quite an odd quality control. Uh, it's probably because we've had a couple of weeks off. People have forgotten what, what a tyrant I can be in the studio when uh, bad answers or bad questions are put through. So the Roman numeral ones, I think we've kind of done. The brass size one, we definitely still need an answer. The Queen's portrait, um, we haven't, uh, I don't feel, gone definitive on. But I like Fred's question as well. Why don't sheep have any top teeth? They don't have any teeth in the top of their mouth. They just have a tough, tough pad. I think it's, I think, well, no, it wouldn't. No, I should have. Well, Maybe. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. I think I've worked out the bra question. I think, I think if no one else answers it, I might have a crack at answering it before the end of this hour. Um, I, I still want to know about sheep's teeth for Fred and about the, um, uh, the Queen's portrait on banknotes. 03456060973, if you can help with either of those. I've got room for a couple more questions if you're quick, actually. We'll have time to, to stick them in. Is it, oh, I should I bother reading this one out? Why don't sheep have top teeth? Inner word evolution, you're welcome. That's the first word I said when the, when the question was asked. You're welcome. Uh, it's almost as bad as just asking, isn't it, on social media? You're welcome. Just asking. Rachel's in Glasgow. You're welcome. Question or answer? Hi. Hello. Uh, well, I had a question, but um, now I kind of know the answer to one of the questions. Not allowed. What you want. Not allowed. Not you allowed. can only okay, ever say okay. things on the radio that you have cleared with the producer, otherwise oh, the mystery okay. hour breaks. Okay, fair enough. So, question is, what's the origin of the, the term flagship? Uh, so you probably know this already. I don't. You probably do. I genuinely do. don't know it. All right. You've got a group of ships, right? Right. Okay. And one bloke is in charge of the whole group of ships, uh-huh. what do you call the ship that the bloke in charge of the group of ships is on? Uh, the flagship? But why? Do they have a flag yeah. and the other ones don't? Well, they have flags, but not the flag. The flag of leadership, the commanding officer's flag is on the flagship. So well, see, that was my husband's guess. But I was it's not a guess. What is a guess? It's not a guess. I did it at school. Well, did you? Okay, fair enough. It's, I mean, the flagship is, the, is the, you've got a group of ships, the flag, I think they even call him the flag officer. And it is, a, it is a specific flag that no other ship will have. So it's how you know who's in charge. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. Okay. Round of applause for me. <laughs> what question did you think you could answer? Uh, the bra one. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah, go on. Um, yeah, so I, I used to work in retail in a women's clothing store, and so someone just told me this during a training, but mm. apparently the sizing started in 1948 in the UK, yes. and it was just A, B, C, and D. Yeah. That's all you could get, and then they discovered that 
there's different sizes, so yeah. they tried to add them in, but yep, so they just did it that way. So they so they didn't need a double C because there hasn't been a significant proportion of women who sit between C and D and so needed a new size of their own. Yep, exactly. But double D and E, there was a big gap between D and E, so they've put it in the double D. Yep. Oh, beautiful. And you get a round of applause as well. Oh, That's fantastic. And I think an apology to your husband as well, don't you? Mm, no, I'll consider it. Yeah, all right. Ten to one. Oh uh, three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. James in Belfast. Jim, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, if you don't mind, please, James. Yeah, of course I do, Jim. What do you want to know? Uh, why, when you've settled down to watch a television program and you're all comfortable hmm. and enjoying it, when the adverts come on, it booms and scares the bejeebas out of you. Oh, use your noodle, man! Come on. I, I know there's a common sense answer, yes. which will be to get your attention. Yep. Ah, oh, but is there a technological answer, which is that they're recorded on different frequencies, or they they go? But I don't know. Does it happen on the radio? Not allowed to talk about the radio. You oh no, you're that. not allowed to talk. No, you are. You're not allowed to talk oh. about specific adverts, which could be your own adverts. Yeah, but it does happen. Does it? It does. Yes. I don't. I mean, is there an answer to this question? I'm just looking at some of my te- more technologically minded colleagues. Do we know the answer to, to this one? We do. It's just to grab your attention more. Is it? Yeah, I think that's probably. I mean, yeah. Wow. But it, it's just so annoying. It just means that you know you've got to get the remote control and you've got to turn it down. Yeah, well, I know. And then you've got to turn it back up again. So you know you, you kind of get hacked off the adverts. Yeah, and well, it, they must have tested it, and it works out. Then the pros outweigh the cons. You you correctly identify the cons, but the, you know, the, I mean the stuff they do with advertising uh, is so sophisticated. The testing and the constant focus grouping and the and the I'm, yeah, I'm I, I, marketing. Well, then you know better than I do about the levels yeah. of of effort that go into trying to predict they and second-guess people's buying habits. So this obviously works. It's very, very scary. But, however, you know, it does annoy you when you've... No, you know, I know. I'm not arguing with you. It just works. It works. It obviously sells more soap powder than it annoys gyms in Belfast. No, no. Well, it annoys me, and I never... <laughs> no, I know. I know, I know but, but the, the 100 customers, 10, 10 of us are like you, 50 of us are ambivalent, a couple don't notice, and the rest go out and buy some soap powder. <laughs> Round of applause for me. Round of applause for me, Jay. Thank you very much. Chris is in Lancaster. Chris, question or answer? Answer, Matt. Carry on, Chris. Uh, simple answer to why sheep don't have top teeth. Go on. Um, they do. Do they? Not at the front, though. No, they have the pad at the front, but then they've got a row of about five or six teeth behind that. To you never see, obviously, because it's in the cheek. So. To chew the cud? Yeah. Well, they're never going to be able to grind anything up, so... So they've got yeah. grinding tea. They've got the, the, so they've got canines, but not incisors. I don't know. I don't know no, what they're no, all called. No, I just, no, it's not they have teeth. Nor do I. <laughs> do you know why they haven't got any at the front? Uh, I don't I think it's just really when they pluck the grass in it, it's somewhat hard to sort of get the bottom teeth onto it and pluck it, because sheep don't sort of chew grass off the floor. They pluck it. They tear it out. So you will get more of a grip, wouldn't you, with a plate... Than yeah, you would with with well, teeth. Cow, cows tear it because cows sort of wrap the tongue around the blade of grass and pluck it out. Right. Where a sheep put the mouth over the grass and nip it off at the bottom. So you're going to get. You, so it's like scissors. It's like serrated yeah, teeth yeah. are serrated scissors, and, and and a normal straight blade is normal scissors, and normal scissors are going to get more grass snipped than serrated scissors. Exactly. That's a lovely answer. What are your qualifications? Uh, no, I'm a sheep farmer. Oh, mate, that is the biggest qualification of all. Well, you no, don't, need, don't need anything else, do I? <laughs> no, no, that is it. I mean, that is about as definitive as it's possible to go. Have you been out today? 
Yep, I'm actually just out at the minute. So you are, so you are currently farming sheep? Yeah. How many sheep farmers do you think there are in the country at the moment? Uh, not enough, where not. the world's going. I know that, Chris, but ballpark? Be, be in the hundreds, would it, rather yeah, than the... In the, the world, or in Britain? In Britain? Oh, thousands. Is there? Yeah. Oh, well, you just talked yourself out of a Ray Liotta. You can have a round of applause, though. <laughs> Thank you. Is that, is that, should I, have, I mean, I gave one to a teacher, right? There's more sheep farmers, there's more teachers than she's never, there's not more people walking to, to walk, that was, the, but he is out sheep farming at the moment. Oh, 12.55 is the time, a lovely answer. Andy's in Croydon. Andy, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. Carry on, Andy. Uh, about why uh, TV adverts sound louder than the programmes that uh, surround them. Yes. Um, and this is the technical reason how it happens. Um, you, when they make the adverts, they can't just make them louder because the person in charge of playing them out in the TV station would just turn them down. Yes. So that on the meters yeah. in front of them, they read the, the standard amount that the meters should read. As you know, you're sitting in front of something with meters on it. Yes. However, the commercials sound louder because the, the companies that make the adverts process the audio to, um, to make the quiet bits in the advert louder and the louder bits quieter so then they the, the average is higher so they can turn the average up yes which which makes it sound louder if you were to look at the um the output of the tv on a meter like a vu meter that people would know from a tape recorder or whatever or little leds bouncing up and down they would see that the leds and the meters peak their highest point is the same on programs and on adverts but there are more of those peaks on adverts because the average is higher. That makes sense. Louder. Yeah. And the reason the re- you asked about radio, the reason it doesn't happen on radio is because on radio there is audio processing on all your output, which makes everything sound roughly the same loudness. And there's processing on TVs as well, isn't there? Well, no, you see, British TV stations, generally speaking, don't use audio processing. Really? Very technical answer. I've got, I've got a challenge on the other line. Stay there, Andy. Jason's in Newcross. We might be losing the room here, lads, but I'm interested, so keep talking. Jason, what do you want to say? Don't pull faces at me, because que- you put these people through with their answers. Don't roll your eyes and yawn at me. Jason, what do you want to say, mate? Hang on, I was putting my phone because it sounds a bit better. Go on. Um, the, uh, well, they sound louder simply. What, what we do, as a person that's mastered commercials, as well as actually mixing a broadcast at Sky... Uh, hang on, Andy, what are your qualifications? I'm a broadcast engineer. Well, see, this is a bit of a clash of the titans. Carry on. I, I suspect <laughs> we're going to have the same answer here, but go on. Well, no, I don't think we are. Well, I mean, the re- the, it is simply that, I mean, the adverts, uh, as a person that's mixed commercials for advertising agencies, at mm. the end of the day, it's just like loudness walls in records. They want... To make a, a the advert to stand out from others and B to be as, as loud as actually possible um, with old, old style mastering techniques. Um, well, with the old, the old broadcast rules, you can slice off the peaks, which um, our ears don't really hear, which you can then turn the whole thing up. It's ultimately it's about making it louder. Traditionally, um, the UK rules have allowed with um, what's known as PPM meters, BBC PPM meters. You can slice the peaks off at six and make the whole thing sound louder than you would mixing a program but this is all changing with um european broadcast union rules coming in with another type of metering called r128 where yeah, i see it now right? no you've had your fun you can't i mean i, I can't, can't i've got to be awake when i hand over to sheila for that's all right is that, 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 that kind of is the same that kind oh, of all right all right lads i've seriously i've had enough now you can both have a round of applause all right
Don't share it, won't eat. Heavens above. Right, do we need next week to have a quick recap? It was my fault. Why do we let him through? That was the point. It wasn't the, it was not the answerer's fault that it's boring. It was the question. The question opened the door to the most boring answers we've ever had in the history of Mystery Hour. Oh, heavens above. Seriously. Um, oh, Stephen Nottingham, you've got five seconds to challenge my flagship answer. You better be sure of yourself. I am. Go on. Go back to sailing ships. Five seconds, no I said. No radios to transmit, so they put flags up. Each flag meant a different letter to tell the other, the rest of the fleet. So the one that put the flags up was a flagship. No, the, well, the flagship was the one that had the commanding officer on. You're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. And, and that's it for another day. The next voice you will hear on LBC belongs to Sheila Fogarty. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.